So is it true, in your opinion, that appraisals never work? I think on balance, I would say the upsides are marginal. The potential downsides of the process, either not being designed or executed well, very, very much tip the scales in the other direction. If you're really, really careful and you do them really well, you might have a marginal positive impact. But entering into the game, you're more likely to do more harm than good. Welcome to The Visible Leader, the podcast that challenges conventional leadership and inspires you to create a workplace culture that empowers your team. Join me as I talk to thought leaders and change makers about practical ways to apply new learning and rethink the status quo. Get ready to become a visible leader in your organization. Leaders, please raise your hand if you love it when it's appraisal time. I know, we are all weary of the very idea of them. But they persist. And I think it's because people have great intentions when it comes to reasons why they want to do appraisals. They also see that there are flaws with the process, but they don't really know what to do instead. So if you're very keen on your team performing at its best and you really don't want to get weighed down by bureaucracy, you're in for a treat with this episode. So listen to find out how to get performance without appraisal. Today, I'm talking to Ben Simpson, who works with leaders and their teams to create better relationships, improve trust, increase autonomy and ditch bureaucracy. He very much sees that you perform best when you're happy in your work. And he's a fierce critic of the traditional command and control leadership style. He co-founded Organisational Vitality, is the director and chairman of the Deming Alliance UK, co-organiser of Reinventing Work in Bath and a visiting lecturer on the Bath MBA. But really the pinnacle of his career was when he sat down with me in a cafe in Bath and realised that we might be able to do some great work collaborating together with our clients. Ben, welcome to my Well, good morning and thank you. And yes, I have very vivid memories of our first meetings. And yeah, pinnacle. I think that's absolutely the right the 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 right word. And and we've only ever. I'm not sure where you get to if you keep going upwards from a pinnacle. But we've certainly we've certainly had some great (laughs) joint forays into the world of work since then. So yeah, long may it continue, Corin. Love to be working with you. Lovely to be having this conversation with you today. Excellent. I'm glad you agree. We wouldn't have landed so well if you disagree. <laughs> so well, I was thinking what to uh, call this podcast when, we, when we've talked about it. And I was kind of thinking appraisals, why they don't work and what you should do instead. But you had a little bit more of an elegant uh, title for it, which was performance without appraisal, which I think... I think it's a nice, uh, a nice, less kind of divisive <laughs> type of title. 
Yeah, now you're really you're really worrying me because uh, that is of course nicked, and I didn't come up with that turn of phrase. I think it was uh, Peter Schulters who, for a long time in his career, Peter's now long since gone, but back in the eighties and nineties, he was quietly campaigning amongst business leaders in his role as an international consultant for uh, them to ditch this practice. Yeah, I think he probably coined that term, but I liked it. So uh, as is the case with many things in life, I I nicked it. But we probably should just uh, give a nod to Peter because he was a great guy. Yes, we will steal it, but we will do it gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) So appraisals. Let's cut to the chase. So is it true, in your opinion, that appraisals never work? Ah, well, in my opinion, in my opinion, I certainly, I think on balance, uh, given all of the opportunity that we have to have a look into all of the organisations that we work with, I would say, in general, they do more harm than good. If we look for more objective data, that's pretty fuzzy. But I think what it tells us is the upsides are marginal. The potential downsides of the process, either not being designed or executed well, are very, very much tip the scales in the other direction. So uh, I think what we say is, if you're really, really careful and you do them really well, you might have a marginal positive impact. But entering into the game, you're more likely to do more harm than good. How about that? Nice. Yeah, I think when I've seen them in place, often the leaders that are able to get these benefits get them in spite of the appraisal system because they are using sound principles which would work even if we whipped that whole bit of paper away but if you if you're being led by that appraisal system then then often i i see that being where the the negative consequences lie yeah it's good. I, I i love that and that has sparked a memory for me actually i remember sitting down to do an appraisal with with a guy that worked for me when I was back in corporate life. And I remember we did that. We 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 went through together and said, oh, we've got to tick this box and we've got to fill in this. And we did, and we did that. So far. well, while we're here, should we have a proper conversation about how things are going and what I can do to support you to be even more successful in your role, Mick? You know, and, and we did. We literally did that. And I'd forgotten that. We did that. That's weird. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they are, in spite of the system. Yeah, yeah. Bizarre. Because it created the meeting and the, and the conversation, which is as long as you then use it in the way that you did with, with Mick, then that, that makes the difference. But being a slave to it, ticking the box and then moving on, that's where we see this massive gap. But I, I feel like the intention is frequently really positive. So the place it comes from is often a place which is the 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 thing that people want to achieve makes sense typically, but then it 
goes down a particular path. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think there's lots of good intent. The trouble is, as with many things in life, is that it kind of gets pulled out of shape. And more and more and more and more things get added on. And I think performance appraisal or performance reviews, the name changes, but 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 really the, the, the artifact doesn't, you know, has fallen victim of that. And it and then now is trying to do such a nested mess of objectives, it actually by you know, by by design, it's never going to do a good job of any one of those. Mm. Um, but but still, we but still we continue. We persist. So, okay, let's just step into the shoes of somebody in HR. Mm-hmm. They've been set the task. What what do you think the multiple things they are trying to get from this appraisal system? What do you, what do you think is in the mix? Oh God! They're, I mean, they're they're, they're set an impossible task. So that's you know evaluating performance, um, define goals, objectives, ranking people, decide who's going to make the grade for the talent program or uh, or onward progression, uh, and at the same time, it be a motivational, conversational. And by the way, we you know we've got. 45 minutes to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's impossible. So I think the first thing we need to do is to disentangle all of those purposes of the, of the process and start dealing with those separately and differently. Mm. Let's go back in time. Mm-hmm. Where did this start? Like, why, why are we where we are now? Well... This is a response that um, people like you and I, I guess, find ourselves thinking about talking about whenever we're set with, uh, whenever we're facing an organisational challenge. And and the bottom line is that we have really struggled to shake off the kind of underlying tacit assumptions of command and control and scientific management. Uh, and in this particular instance, looking back in time, it's quite interesting. So Frederick Winslow Taylor wrote um, Scientific Management, I think, in 2000. And, no, in, in not too bad. It's still alive and well. We didn't write it then. But, uh, and I think 1909, and that was followed hot on the heels by uh, Walter D. Scott, who's an Aussie consultant. And this is the genus, I think, of the of appraisals, where he started building on Winslow Taylor's work. He started this idea of man to man. Get the language, man to man comparisons, because there will be laggards, there will be people slacking off. So the way that we manage that is compare people to each other, and you know, like rats in a cage, strongest person wins, etc. So. If you were to ask people in here and now business, businesses, organisations, if you were to ask leaders, you know, is your organisation command and control? They would say, oh, no, 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 we're definitely not command and control. We've moved on from that. But you would see lots of practice and behaviour that is still very much built on those assumptions, not explicitly talked about, 
but it's still there. And you see that those assumptions, the sort of theory X thinking absolutely throughout, you know, what are, what are deemed to be good practice uh, appraisal systems. So, mm. yeah, we're struggling to shake that off. Uh, the world of work has changed profoundly. People's expectations of work has changed profoundly. You know, the whole idea that managers know best, they do the thinking, make the decisions, and, and workers, inverted commas, take their brains out and uh, and do the work uh, under close instruction and supervision is just sort of another era. But we've, but But for some reason, we're really struggling to shake it off. I want to ask you about how we can look about us and assess whether or not some of that stuff is going on around us that we're a bit blind to. But I just wanted to nail the sort of command and control thing first. It does, obviously, in some organisations appear that command and control works brilliantly for shareholders. As long as you have a regulation length time that you go for a wee, (laughs) (laughs) Amazon is great. So you're a fierce critic of it, but obviously not because it can't work in some ways. (laughs) Give me your criticism of it in that context. Yeah, so Amazon is is not alone, uh, but they're a nice example because uh, a, a, a lot of people admire Amazon. A lot of people love to hate Amazon, uh, but no one can deny that you know the impact that they've had has been huge. The success that they've had has been huge, and I really liked how you caveated that. You know, if our soul purpose in life is profit maximization with no regard for the people that work for us for uh the societies that we live in for our ecology um then yeah there's no denying um it, it can be successful but my goodness me we need to grow out of that that's 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 quite scary so yeah, the planet needs us to rethink. Absolutely. Yeah, ecologically, environmentally, from a sustainability perspective and from a societal and just the the health of human beings perspective. If we keep going down that track, then we're looking into a very, very, very dark place. And I... I I, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted with uh, with a crazy amount of optimism bias, and I I do feel that we will, in the near future, hit a bit of a tipping point, and our perspective on what success means for organisations will significantly change. I mean, it's been creeping in the right direction for a long time, but I think it it. I think we will reach a tipping point and I think it will be, yeah, I think it'll be driven by our new younger entrants to the workforce um, and um, they will make the change because they will vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. Well, with them in mind, let's let's take us back to organisations that feel like they're not command and control. They certainly don't aspire to be command and control, but actually maybe there's some sleepwalking into certain behaviours that 
do create some of the unintended consequences of that type of culture. So what type of things might the average leader be doing or creating in the organization that that is a little bit more towards a command and control? I think a lot of this has to do with our innate behaviors. So we we feel that someone isn't giving their best and they've let us down and that sparks very often in us I think an emotional reaction. So we so in those circumstances it's quite easy I think to to dive in and start addressing the issue in a very personal way without gathering all of the facts. So I think that's an example of behavior and practice. And I think good leaders are conscious that they've been triggered in that way, but they stop and they take a breath and they say, okay, let's start from a position where we believe that nobody comes to work deliberately to screw things up. And let's come from a place where we we have, you know, positive regard for our individuals. And rather than launching in with a subjective and potentially narrow uh, perspective of how they see the situation, start asking good questions about, okay, I'm really curious to find out um, how, how, how this has been for you. Um, let's have a good conversation about it. Mm. So I think overcoming that, oh my God, I don't believe it. They've screwed up over here. They've done it in front of the yeah. client. It's really embarrassing. Right, I need to, I need to, it's my job, manager, authoritarian, parent, get in there, sort it out, give someone a, a, a ticking off. That takes me back to my lovely um, Professor Peter Hawkins, uh, my mentor, who always invited me to stop locating the problem with the person. So <laughs> anytime I found myself doing that, it was pull back. This is a really nice place to get to, isn't it, where you can have that pause and reflection and allow yourself to take a different path. Yeah, totally. But, uh, but I think none of us, or at least very few of us, are naturally inclined to do that. I think our, right. our, our, our brains are wired differently. You know, this it, it triggers something in our less than executive function <laughs> um, in our brains, which, is, uh, which, do, which, which rarely leads to a helpful conversation. So, so I think there's a behavior side. But actually, in terms of the mechanisms that we employ in organizational life, I think there's a lot of those that actually um, support the reality of command and control. So very often (laughs) on topic for today, appraisal systems, very often, you know, budgets and the way that they're managed, very often the way that we manage organizational performance. Um, so there's, as always, there's this sort of yin and yang of, uh, context and behavior. And we need to look at both 
and get both moving in the same direction and that being you know much much more human centric and much less kind of mechanistic sausage machine command and control so i think we need to work on both mm. and i'm gonna want to move to the so what in a minute of right so we ditch it or we <laughs> or we rethink and then what we move to because i always like to get really specific actionable ideas for people that they can put into place tomorrow or today because it's still early still early we could we could fix it today before i move on to that we've sort of had a little glance at command and control and, and rethinking that a bit what do you see the benefits if we are to change the systems we've got why what what does it bring us I think increasingly it is becoming true that the performance of the organization is just so, so dependent on the relationships between people up, down and across the organization. And I think if we can have a much more authentic and joint conversation around performance where people feel comfortable being incredibly open and candid and honest about their own performance and opportunities to improve it and develop themselves. That at a human level leaves us feeling in a really, really good place for both parties. And I think that's the prize. That's very, very achievable. And I don't actually think it's that hard to do. I don't think it's that hard to learn. But I think the impact of that can be quite profound. You know, Gallup's, Gallup's own data, as well as our own research, suggests that 70% of people's experience of work, good and bad, is a result of your management practices, processes, and behaviors. So, yeah, that's the size of the pie that we that we go at when we start being conscious about this stuff. So, I mm -hmm. think it's I think it potentially it's huge, and that that isn't contained just in the performance conversations. That's always that's that's forever. That's how we show up at work together. So, I think I think the the opportunity is massive. Mm. I, th I think that's an interesting point. It's about the relationship, how you show up all day, or any any interaction you have in the team or together. It's not just, certainly not, please God, an annual appraisal. No, no, that really is. That's that's the worst. That's the worst case scenario, right there. You know, the sort of the multi-page. Mm prescriptive everybody does it at the same time of year you just feel that energy getting sucked out of the organization for those two months mm. uh, while we're harassing people to go through this process that they see no value in no, that's that, uh, that. I mean, that that's cruelty, really. That's the you know, that's human cruelty, and we we need to stop doing that. That's not that's not helping anybody. Mm. And we expect, like we were saying right at the beginning, that benefit can be had in spite of the appraisal system. 
but that that leader that can do that generally there's a level of skill needed to be able to have i mean i'm not saying that you need to have training but there needs to be some approach mindset to those conversations to get those really great outcomes invariably i i think people would be a little bit daunted and i think maybe that's why they reach for that but you know that the 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 tick box and everything because they don't really know what to do instead Totally. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right. I think there is real comfort, real safety blanket in, oh, we've just got to go through this and it's going to be a bit awful. For an individual who isn't overly comfortable having the sort of conversation I previously described, um, then taking that safety blanket away is really probably quite a scary place to be so uh, i haven't got a form to fill i'm not expected to be a, a, a robot and go through this i have to I have to think for myself so mm-hmm. yeah i i absolutely do think that there is a role for a people function uh or coaches within the organization to really really help managers mm-hmm. be more coach-like and specifically in this instance, how they manage those conversations. That's not to say, of course, that, that, that there aren't some, you know, it's not that it's a bad thing to pre-script some good open questions. You know, that, that's fine. You could even write them down and have them on a, on a piece of paper in front of you. Yeah. And in fact, that yeah, may actually true. that that may actually be helpful because that helps, mm. you know. So, one of the beliefs that we have around performance conversations is that, as a result, there should be joint and several actions that come out of it. Some of which that the that the manager takes away, and the other of which that the person in role takes away, because the person in role's performance is a product of both of their behaviours. You know, so a good universal question for a, for a manager to ask is, you know, what is my part in this? What is it that I can do differently or better that will, that will enable you to be more successful or will increase your chances of success in this thing that you've just described? Mm. And a lovely, lovely question, Ben, is so rarely rarely asked I think and it it's it's a nice one I think and I think I think it's a great point that taking away this potentially I mean maybe you know maybe what we're looking at I don't know what percentage of organizations still have this quite long process I I've, I work with um, a few clients that have it imposed on them from corporate yeah, and and that, that's that's they're not going to change that, and so we we just you know it's just working in spite of that system. But these great quality questions can still have a place. But I I suppose the more I've seen it, <laughs> the more I think less is more. So totally. a small handful of really great conversational type questions, which are like you've just described, rather than going kind of crazy and having to get through a lot. I'm just pulling you away from this episode because I want to share with you how you can get a copy of the free guide that I've created. 
in which I share with you several of the techniques that I use with my coaching clients today and that you can use too, which will help you create more of an impact as a leader, have more influence and the holy grail, have more time away from the doing. You can use this time for key things like focusing on strategic thinking or going for a bike ride. If you want to grab the free guide, check out the show notes and click on the link. So I'm leader, say I'm MD of this business and I'm going to like wipe my diary for a bit so I can give this some thought. Mm-hmm. How should I approach this? So I've decided that this annual appraisal and six-monthly review is really not meeting the needs of what we've just been talking about. Everyone hates it anyway, so I'm mm-hmm. going to ditch it. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? What you do now is you, hopefully not locked away in your own room, but with some of your team, if not all of your team, so what is it that we're trying to achieve here? What is the purpose of this process? And that conversation will very often boil down to two things, one of which is making some sort of assessment or judgment of people for some of the reasons I described earlier. So salary increases, promotion opportunities, whether people get plonked on the escalator of the talent program, how you can detect the cynicism in my voice there, not disguising that particularly well. You know, heaven forbid, should someone be underperforming, then we need a body of evidence. So so that's the judgment part. And then there's another part that says, actually, what are we doing systemically to enable people to learn and grow and to achieve more and to fulfill their, the whole of their human potential? Those two things should never, ever be muddled up in the same process. They will work against each other. And if you start going down a route where you're combining those two things, it will not end well. So I think the conversation with the top team, so what what's most important to us? And I would hope that in this fictional organization, they agree that the latter is more important than the former. And if that is the case, then we can start setting things up to have the sort of conversation that I've just sort of role played. Yeah. Mm. So it's all about performance, learning, development, growth, etc. And it's a, and it's a, And these are conversations where people show up as equals because power distorts. So both of them are going into it thinking, I'm going to learn something here. Both of them are going into it knowing that they will come away with actions to complete that will take them both and the performance forward. Mm -hmm. I think... If you're going to have a, if you're going to have any sort of artifact, any sort of document, I think you need to limit it to probably one side, one side of A4. You know, so that's really 
somewhere between three and six prompts, which you can choose to use or not. But I think that helps. I think that helps the the less confident leader get started in those conversations. Uh, they're they they're they're more the they're the training wheels. They're the stabilizers on the mm. bike, mm. and then as they get more confident. Mm. But that what that also does is it infers it infers a, a, a frequency or an unfrequency actually. So performance doesn't happen with a metronomic regularity. And if we're to if we're to fit the process around the nature of work and performance and improvement, then actually those those conversations are likely to be. Well, the expression we use is frequent but ad hoc. So mm-hmm. coming out of it, you've got you've you've uh, uh, the manager's got a couple of actions. The person in role's got three actions. They say, okay, reasonably, we ought to aim to get those actions done in the next couple of weeks. Okay, great. So let's look to get together over a coffee, fifteen minutes, week three from now. Great. And and the next the the next follow up might be a week away. The next one might be four weeks away, but it's informed by what they're doing, not by oh the diary says we've got to. Mm-hmm. And you know this is working. You know that this process is working when the two parties naturally convene those conversations. So this we describe as a pool system rather than. In most organisations, appraisals are pushed on, and the, the the form for this year is released. And then after four weeks, you know, seven percent of people have done it, and then it gets ratcheted up, and more and more yeah, senior people we're get having, it. We're having like red, amber, green reports on totally. His. So, and if that's your context, then that is good data. That is telling you your process isn't working. Yeah. So if you're getting that, then just stop. Just stop it because it isn't serving your people. You need to stop and and, and, and take a breath and, and reconsider. Well, the, the other end of the scale that I sometimes see is, yeah, we do, we talk all the time. And, um, yeah, we don't really need to do anything else because, yeah, I'm I'm always chatting with Bob. We we you know we, my door's always open. We I was waiting for you to react. Uh, doors always open, and like we're always talking. So I don't think we need anything else. I see that so frequently, and for some reason I see that a lot with like technical people. And I don't know whether I'm just grab, grabbing a particular examples, and um, actually it happens across the board probably. But often it's where there's a lot of need for this back and forth because there's a lot of operational stuff. So they feel like they're having those high quality conversations because they speak to each other frequently. I see, I see that a lot. So it feels like that's the other end of the scale where they say, oh, we don't need it because we do it. When actually, when I dig under the surface of what conversations are actually happening in those moments you know that it's all about the projects and the workload and the and the stuff and only because often they don't know what a good question looks like as an alternative place there's no pause and there's no there's no sense of 
this partnership and this like other conversation, which when you then give them that pause and, and maybe role model some of those great questions that I love it because I see how how much they get from it, both sides. Totally, yeah. I think what's what's going on to an extent in what you describe is just the fact that people don't know what they don't know. So if they've if if they've never experienced those conversations, they think that the conversations that are, that they're having are the same as the ones that we're trying to describe to them. And it sounds like you've got a, a good way of, of 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 helping or helping people see that to reveal it it, it it to them. But I think that is key. You know, people if people have never had that experience of 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 line management that is of the ilk that we've just sort of um role played or whatever then they literally don't know what they don't know. So they think what they're doing is 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 that's what you do because that's what I've always had done to me. Um, so there is a tactic that can be employed quite usefully for, for us and it's one that we introduce to clients and leaders very often. And that is being really, really conscious of the type of question that you're asking. By default, just as you say, the majority of those seemingly good conversations tend to center around task. They tend to center around, you know, what's coming up on Thursday, the next project milestone, the getting this consignment out to very important client X, making sure that inbound materials from supplier Y are all checked out and do you know what i mean it's very very those conversations tend to be rooted in in, and fighting fires (laughs) don't forget the fires yeah 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 yeah. so short term just as you say quite often reactive but essentially focused on the repetitive nature of just doing the work getting the value out the door we label those activities and the questions that relate to those activities as maintenance. The maintenance activities and maintenance questions are not bad things. We need them. But there is another type of activity and another type of question that managers can and should ask and ask more often, and that we label development questions. And those are directed at development activity which is clues in the name which is all about building a better future for ourselves developing us as individuals developing our team developing the way that we collaborate across uh, the organization developing ways of working developing our product and service and everybody but everybody should have a portion of their weekly work that is devoted to development and very often as as managers we tend not to ask good questions about developmental stuff so just giving people that mental model of the two buckets of activity and some examples of questions of of uh, around around maintenance and around development can be the thing that tips 
the uh, up until now uh, uh, an informed manager into this new world and this new in this new way of being. And crucially, in those conversations, they are showing up pretty much as equals. Just like, oh, you know, we got some really interesting feedback from 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 client X. Um, what do you think we ought to be doing with that? I'm sure there's more that you know we could do to really build that relationship. You know, yeah. not coming. Uh, I think the problem is X. I think the solution is Y, and I think your part in that solution is Z. That's not the right conversation to have. It's arguably a development conversation, but its tone and uh, its direction is 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 all wrong. So there are t- there are tips I think that we can give those managers to help them. You know, role playing those conversations can be useful as well, um, mm-hmm. and helping them to yeah just adopt a more coach like persona in the questions that they ask and the conversations that they have. And that, and that clearly goes well beyond a performance conversation. Mm. I think there's so much in there. And I, I think I don't, I would hate for somebody to listen to this and think, God, that's such a big leap. I don't think this person, that person would be able to have that. But I think like we always talk about Ben, it's just experimenting with a little shift in what you do asking one of those great quality questions and see what happens. You don't have to change your whole con- you can do the um the very much like the 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 normal operational conversation and at the end of it you can add something in which is a little practice with some different type of question and see what see how it goes. It doesn't have to be perfect coach but you're not a coach. No. It doesn't have to sound like a perfect coaching conversation. It can it's just that and even actually even if you get that mindset which is that adult to adult and that you go in there thinking like that this is a partnership and just seeing what effect that has i think that's absolutely right and the, and the um you know you can you could chunk that up and have that in mind answering your question um so i'm the nd i'm i i i'm i'm tearing up the process the artifact that we currently have i'm starting afresh start experimenting you know get some people involved who are who are interested in designing something new you if you if you say you're open to the idea of scrapping the old one you're quite likely to have a few people i'm sure we can come up with something better than this um and you know, just as you say, in the context of a of micro interaction of a of a conversation, by giving yourself permission to not to strive for perfection as a first step, by just saying, "Okay, well, let's just try some," you know, short interval cycles of of learning it and experimentation. Let's just start with a with, with a sheet of paper and what's important to us, and let's just yeah let's release that into the wild three or four volunteers go away okay well I'll, I'll i'll experiment with this one with my team and see how it feels for me and see what benefit it brings see what conversation develops and see what actions it generates and get back together three weeks after okay what have we learned well i like this bit of that one but i like the sound of you know that bit in this one and on the hoof you're developing something 
which has got the buy-in of the people that are going to be delivering it, uh, so isn't being imposed. It's been tested in your context. This whole idea of there's one best way and world-class and best practice, absolute. Am I allowed to say bullshit? Bullshit, I've said it, sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's an illusion. It's crazy. Um, So it will be tested and iteratively proven and improved in your context kind of was better than that just just get mm-hmm. started yeah you know it doesn't need to be launched with music and fireworks and a training program and a big hurrah it's it's it, yeah it, it, you can we can start much quicker than that we can just get going and the thing that i again often see is that we're expecting our line manager to do a performance conversation or whatever. So so we'll go in there and talk about how different that could look and share some ideas and practice it with them. But actually the manager isn't getting that high-quality conversation themselves. And so it's <laughs> this kind of like, we're going to do unto you, you know, but but then I and I always like, let's invite <laughs> let's invite that person into the room. Let's let's share how that could look. And so that it's not this top-down thing that's done at people who are like like you were saying at the beginning the motivation for it instead of it being a partnership and a, and a, everybody wins it's a how can we get these buggers to be more productive stop like having breaks and stuff yeah it, so i think there's another golden rule that that we uh that we kind of hold quite dear and close and that is the top team have to use the same process as everybody else and so often in organizations you look at this you know you look at this process or the or the artifact the form you say okay so 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 you as the md sit down and you go through these questions with you know your your head of finance and uh, your coo oh no it's not for us no no we do we're 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 okay we're okay yeah we're good thanks (laughs) no absolutely not i think everybody needs to be subjected to the same subjected everybody oh my god ben come on we're not subjecting anymore yeah but 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 that's the thing in that in that instance you are because you're subjecting other people to it but but you're but you're giving yourself a free pass because you have the power to do that to uh, either pretend that you've done it and, and mutually agree that, yeah, we had it on this day and it was fine, or just not doing it at all. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think it, actually there are other benefits as well as, you know, we're all the same and no one's got privilege with this, which is a, a good principle to have. The other thing that it does is is that it starts with the very, very top people having these open honest equal performance conversations and they've experienced it they are much more likely to deliver good ones to their people and so on and so forth mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's it so i think that's a generally a good rule of thumb is mm-hmm. it's really really important that the that the top team experience these conversations that they too you know get help if they need it 
so they can have an appreciation of of it and be able to talk about it with with other people but also it just demonstrates that yeah we're, we're, we're all in it together we think this is a good thing uh, and we're doing it i also feel that if leaders took this different stance and practiced this and were open and vulnerable and and had a go and and reflected and sought feedback and got much better at offering feedback timely feedback and working out how to do that really well i think this kind of how do we have difficult conversations thing would be massively reduced because it's it's the procrastin not procrastination but like the possibly the way storing stuff up so we're having to have a difficult conversation that this process potentially can uh, alleviate us from a bit yeah totally oh god can you, i i remember as a as a as a boy manager sitting on those things that i knew i should do and 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 not doing them because i didn't feel comfortable and they they grew and festered and 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 mm. just got so much worse um and there's real power in that real time conversation again going into that conversation with positive regard and assuming positive intent but getting it at the moment at mm. the moment you know so things don't go well you know for instance in a meeting and you see a, you see a colleague really really drop the ball or things don't go well and just taking the time afterwards and say okay let's just find a quiet corner have a coffee let's just have a chat about this how can i help you i could see that you you know you found that difficult it was embarrassing or or whatever yeah what what is it that i can do that will be helpful to you and make sure that you you don't have to relive that but mm. brushing it under the table oh. you know really 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 unhelpful so again a good example of ad hoc right yeah <laughs> the performance yeah. happens when it happens we'll, we'll wait it, until the annual appraisal to cover that meeting yeah exactly yeah yeah performance happens when it happens good and bad mm. and it doesn't follow the cycle of of the moon or our reporting rhythm um mm. it, it 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 happens in the moment and it's real and we need to be grown up and have good conversations about it Lovely. Nice place to get to. We're coming to an end, Ben. Anything that we haven't covered that you think my listeners would really benefit from in the last minutes? Mm. Well, I think you introduced me as being someone that values openness, trust, autonomy, and is is it will will uh, encourage people to ditch bureaucracy at, at every opportunity. So, probably very unsurprisingly, I would encourage people to very much simplify what they do. I think that's always always a good thing. Orientate around purpose. So, what is it that we want to achieve by this process? Um, what's you know what what's its why? being really really clear on that 
starting small and simple and experimenting, I think, uh, are absolutely key. There are light touch formats that um, can be helpful. We very often support clients, as you know, <laughs> to do something called purpose-based role clarification, which sets a foundation and sets a, a routine, ad hoc routine, of these sorts of conversations in management dyads and uh, between managers and people in role. Uh, there's interestingly a bit of um, convergent evolution there. I think a lady called Helen Sanderson, who is a fellow member of something called the Q community, so the quality improvement community within the Health Foundation advocates, is something called confirmation practices, which is similar in so much as people get to describe three to six things that they that they feel they need to be really really good at in order to fulfill their their role and add the value that they are able and the conversation very much goes along the lines of the manager in the position of coach saying you know which ones you want to tackle right now what's going on just asking lots of good coaching questions and then asking and and what's my part in this so it's quite interesting that, you know, my co-founder, Dennis, has been iterating and experimenting with the role clarification stuff for a couple of decades. And 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 uh, Helen and a, a guy, I think, called Andy Brogan developed something um, that, yeah, you can see the similarities. And mm. We see the same thing going on in nature, convergent evolution and these things evolve because they work <laughs> yeah absolutely so we just need to find the thing that's going to kill the classic performance uh appraisal dinosaur off uh what's going to be that our metaphorical meteor that that takes it out i'm i'm looking forward to that day <laughs> well we will continue this conversation with our clients and uh hopefully when people listen to this podcast, they've got some valuable ideas there to really rethink how they do it. And it's very practical and it's not threatening and and not too difficult to at least have a little try with. So thank you very much, Ben. It's been a great conversation. Well, as ever, I could talk all day with you, Corinne. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, on one of my favourite subjects. So Yay. I hope people have found it useful. If there are any questions, queries or whatever that emerge from this, then it's open season on me, as people can probably gather. I love talking about this stuff. So please do reach out. I'll put all your details in the show notes, how to reach out to Ben. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation again, Ben. Maybe it'll be like in six months we'll come we'll come together again and see what's changed yeah let's do that see whether the meteors hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great idea i hope that that conversation inspired you i really enjoyed it it's a subject that i come back to frequently with my clients and i love talking to ben about it so i think you could tell we were geeking out a bit I really hope it gives you pause for thought. What is your mindset about things like performance and feedback and evaluation? And really, what's your role in all of that? 
if it's got you thinking and you're looking to rethink an appraisal system or you've realized actually you've only really been having operational chats, then great. But you don't need to do everything in one day. One of the things I take from this conversation is if you start asking better questions, then you will be streets ahead of a lot of leaders out there. And another caution, Ben mentioned this as well, please don't lock yourself up in a room to try and work this out, make this perfect. Don't outsource it to HR, but involve your greatest resource, your people. Bring them in and you'll be surprised at how they can actually contribute to looking at what the next steps could be. In the show notes, Ben's details are there, my details are there. Reach out, ask questions. I'd love to hear what you actually decide to experiment with. And if you've enjoyed this podcast or any of my other podcasts, then I'd really be grateful if you could leave me a review. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Visible Leader Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest episode, hit the subscribe button. And I'd love to hear what you think, so please leave me a review. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to me, Corinne Hines on LinkedIn.